Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to The Global Current on 89.5 FM WSOU. I'm your host, Stephanie Miller. As the School of Diplomacy's premier radio show, we take a new topic in international news each week and ask the question, is diplomacy the answer? We've got a great show for you today discussing the coronavirus out of Wuhan, China, with our analysts Eric and Valentina. But first, a news report on the outbreak from this week's reporter, Morgan Huber. Take it away, Morgan. Hello, I'm Morgan Huber here at The Global Current, and today we will be talking about the coronavirus. Recently, I wrote an article for the Diplomatic Envoy called Coronavirus Spreads Worldwide Panic, and today we will be discussing this article and some points on it. So first, I'm going to read through the article. The deadly coronavirus continues to spread, brewing concern and fear among the general populace. Concentrated primarily in the city of Wuhan, with a population of 11 million in China, this disease has caught the attention of people and organizations throughout the world. There have been roughly 3,000 confirmed cases and 400 confirmed deaths since the first report on New Year's Eve 2019, according to the World Health Organization. However, reports from the MRC Center Global Infectious Disease Analysis and Imperial College London suggest that as many as 4,000 people may have contracted the coronavirus as of yet. The virus reportedly originated in one of Wuhan's seafood markets, which have been under investigation and shut down due to violating food safety regulations. So far, all fatal cases have been located in the Chinese province of Hubei, as well as one in Singapore, although outbreaks have been reported in other countries, including Thailand, Korea, Japan, Taiwan, Vietnam, France, and the United States. This potentially global outbreak has triggered widespread panic, with people taking serious precautions to protect themselves from the virus. However, it has not prevented the WHO from stopping short of declaring a global emergency on the matter. To prevent the coronavirus from claiming more victims, the city of Wuhan has taken precautions as well, essentially quarantining the city by temporarily banning all ingoing and outgoing public transportation. This initiative coincides with the Lunar New Year, a major Chinese holiday where people anticipated to travel and visit their families. Public events and exhibitions in the city have also been limited and canceled to prevent the disease from spreading person to person. Some schools have also been shut down indefinitely. Reportedly, this travel ban and the quarantine overall are expected to affect 50 million people in the metropolitan area. While the coronavirus' impact has been primarily social and cultural, it also has taken a toll on the international economy. Since the quarantine, China's Dow Jones Industrial Average fell nearly 200 points as production decreased due to these measures. Oil prices in surrounding countries have also decreased in anticipation of a potential outbreak. Looking at these consequences, the economy may continue to slow down as China awaits a vaccine. The virus affects the lungs and symptoms start with a fever and a cough. It can progress to shortness of breath and breathing difficulties. To prevent contraction of the virus, WHO recommends that people frequently wash their hands and avoid consumption of or contact with raw or undercooked meats. This has been Morgan Huber reporting from The Global Current. Thanks for that insight, Morgan. Moving on to this week's topic of discussion, coronavirus. Is diplomacy the answer? I'm here again with our analysts, Eric and Valentina. And guys, so the coronavirus, what is it? I think that's something that we should just probably get out of the way first. Yeah? Sounds good? All right. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> just a quick like a little answer to that. The coronavirus is a new type of virus 
It's a new strain of a type of virus that was discovered for the first time in Wuhan in, in mid-December. And in mid-January, they first identified it publicly as being a, uh, uh, a new type of, of virus. Interesting. So what is it, the source of this new virus? Uh, so the source of it is not known for sure. Really? So they think it comes, well, they, they narrowed it down to a seafood market in Wuhan, right? And then there was a lot of speculation about uh, that it comes from like a bat soup, mm -hmm. which is a dish that's eaten there, a delicacy in, in Wuhan. Um, but the, the origin seems to be a seafood market in Wuhan. Um, but we can't say for sure. This is kind of a little bit debatable, but the market was was not swabbed before they completely disinfected it. Whoa. So they don't know exactly what happened. So they don't know, um, yeah, that wasn't proper procedure there. Okay, so it might be a bat soup. A bat soup, is that correctly? That like, is correct, bat soup. That's, okay, it was that's a whole bat inside, just a soup. Yeah, if really? you've seen pictures, it's literally a bat inside of it. So, like, like how do they even cook it? Do they just, like, just boil a bat and, like, there you go? I really couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's smiling a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> yeah, I'm also very confused. But they didn't take any, like, public health procedures at all when, like, dealing with this market. They shut down the market and completely cleaned it, took all the animals, um, and we don't know whether they buried the animals or cremated them. They're trying to find answers, like, could we, like, get the animals and test them? But there's no answers right now. Um, so that was a, a failure by the, the Chinese services to, to properly swallow everything and get samples. Interesting, interesting. So we don't know the exact source of the virus. Do we at least know how it's spreading? Well, we know it, it it's spreading at a decent clip. It's not as as contagious mm -hmm. as say like measles, which well, can that's good. Yeah, <laughs> or, or chickenpox or anything like that, it, or even the regular flu. Uh, it's probably about as contagious as the SARS virus, which is a 2003 virus in, in China that killed about 800 people. Interesting. And tell me a little bit more about that. That was a very similar strand of virus. Uh, SARS and also MERS, which is in Africa, it's related to camels, are very similar strains of viruses. And so far, the coronavirus seems to be pretty similar to SARS. It has a slightly lower death rate, we're mm -hmm. thinking. So far, it's gone past. Latest totals, by the way, for death is that we're almost at 14,000 people. I'm sorry, 1,400 people uh, <sighs> have died. Yeah. and. Over 60,000 people have been infected. 60,000 people? Yeah, as of uh, Thursday, February 13th, and the totals change every day. Yesterday, on, on Wednesday, they changed criteria for diagnosing the virus, and cases shot up by 14,000 in one day. So it, 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 it's switching each day, and they're debating whether or not the uh, rate of spreading is increasing or, or decreasing. They don't really know yet. But yeah, it's spread through contact, through coughing, through the air. They mm -hmm. say, like, like I said, like measles can like stay in one place and spread like everywhere. The coronavirus, they're thinking, spreads about like six feet from the person. Okay, but so yeah. if I said that this was a like a respiratory illness, would that be a correct statement? Yeah, it's a respiratory. It's an upper respiratory virus. Is, is how it's being termed by the CDC and the World Health Organization. All right, interesting. And there seems to me, at least 
to be a lot of misinformation going around about how the virus is spread. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was this internet video going around about this guy who's supposedly in Wuhan, and he just, like, bites into a live rat, and oh apparently... Gosh. I know, right? That's, he like, so it horrifying. In, like, a butter or something, and oh. then... Just goes for it. See, right? That's just disgusting on principle. But for a while, there were people actually saying that this was the initial cause of the virus. And while this probably isn't true, that just like kind of makes me shudder just a little bit. Yeah. Well, we live in 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 a social network age, right? So anyone can put this on the internet. And unfortunately, there has been a lot of misinformation about the virus. Uh, and it's been an issue, I guess it's been feeding into racism in some countries. Uh, so it has been an issue overall. I've been to Wuhan, personally. I was there this summer. Did not see any eating of rats. Fantastic. <laughs> did see some pretty interesting foods, but did not see any eating of rats. And that's not something that's going on on a grand scale in China. Good, good. So... Say I were planning on going to China in, like, the next month or so. Should I cancel my trip? Yeah, you should probably... I mean, if you come back, they will quarantine you at least for 14 days. That's what's going on right Mm -hmm. now. Anybody who comes back from Wuhan or anywhere really from the China area, um, they're quarantining people for 14 days until they realize if it's okay, if you're good. So it's like... Do you really want to inconvenience yourself that much? <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably... That's an excellent point, yeah, definitely. Um, oh, I actually heard a story from a friend of mine over at Princeton who knew some people who had just come back from China, and Princeton had, like, quarantined them. Oh that was something that was going on for a little bit. And I don't think anybody was infected, but the self-quarantine thing, like, is definitely, like, an issue. Yeah, no, it's going to disrupt people's lives, and... But at the same time, I appreciate that because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to get sick as well. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a trip anywhere in Asia right now is not advisable. No. Yeah. Especially to China. And we're already seeing the entire Asian tourist market is really suffering right now because of the virus. But yeah, no, it, it is dangerous to travel there for sure. And absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I, would, I would not go there. <laughs> Could not pay me a million dollars to go there right now. Mm. All right. Very strong words from Eric. Mm. So (laughs) I heard that the travel recommendation and advisory that the State Department put out is only for mainland China. It doesn't apply to Hong Kong, Macau, or Taiwan. Can I go to those places? If you'd like. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's risky right now because there's also a lot of speculation that the accounts of virus are being underreported. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost surprising that the virus hasn't spread to neighboring countries like Thailand and Vietnam. And we're wondering, is that because the virus hasn't reached there? Or is that because the cases have not been reported yet? Mm-hmm. So we don't... So there's, it's, it's risky to go anywhere. I mean, there are cases in the U.S., to be fair. I think there are 15 cases now in the U.S. Uh, Japan reported their first death from the coronavirus uh, today or yesterday. Uh, so that's the first death outside of China. Um, it's not just China, but it, it's mostly Hubei province. All right. Interesting. Why do you think the cases might be going underreported? Because, okay, because we don't, like, obviously yesterday, they changed one rule about how they can diagnose it, and it shot up by 14,000 cases. 
there's not there's a, a shortage of the means to diagnose it. Mm -hmm. So there are people, there are horror stories, unfortunately, of people like in um, hotel rooms saying, and the doctors are like, you probably have coronavirus, but we can't confirm it. You almost certainly have coronavirus, we just can't confirm it. That's but they're not scary. in a hospital. They're in a hotel room with no medicine or no medical support, and they're being quarantined. That's insane. So, so they have no way of receiving any aid and they're not included in the, in the count total. And a lot of people are getting extremely frustrated by that. So, and, and also in other countries where there might not be as many resources to, to have the, the kits needed to identify the disease, there might be com complete underreporting. Hmm. All right, interesting. So moving on just a little bit to the primary theme of our show, we're asking the question, is diplomacy the answer? And I feel like that might seem like a trivial question for someone who isn't like delving too deeply into this issue. Like, how do you control an infectious disease with words? You know, that seems like a little bit stupid, but that's precisely what the World Health Organization actually deals with on a regular basis. Their job is to investigate and declare disease outbreaks, coordinate containment efforts, and just kind of generally handle international health responses. So what's the WHO doing on the ground in China to help manage the coronavirus? Right now, there's they just got a team in place. There's only the advanced team in effect right now. Like there's a tweet from Dr. Tedros, who is the director of the World Health Organization, and he said that he just saw off some of the members of an advanced team for an international ex expert mission to China led by Dr. Bruce Alayward, who is a Canadian doctor who I believe has experience with the Ebola. I think he led World Health Organization efforts against Ebola in West Africa. But that's all we know. And this is, this is we're two months into the virus now, and that's, that's all they've done so far, is we have a name of a leader. But we don't know who's gonna be on the team mm -hmm. besides him. Uh, I think he left for China on, on Monday, um, but we don't know whether the CDC is going to be included uh, in this mission. We don't know. We we're assuming it's going to be from multiple nations, um, but we don't know the scope of this mission, who's gonna be included in it. All we know is that something is happening and it's led by, by Dr. Bruce from Canada. It seems a little bit late for the WHO to just now be deploying a team of doctors. What's going on with that? Well, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. Almost 1,400 people have died, more than 60,000 people are, uh, six, yeah, 60,000 people are infected, and they still have not gotten a team on the ground in place to help. The World Health Organization has only offered their team a month after the outbreak started. The CDC even was faster than that, and they're, the American CDC. Yeah. Obviously, they have ties to, to the Beijing CDC. Mm -hmm. But still, why is it that an you know American governmental organization offered help to China two weeks before the World Health Organization did? And why hasn't the World Health Organization or the CDC, for that matter, gotten a team on the ground to help? It's not entirely their fault. In fact, it's mostly not their fault. China has not accepted their offers. We're trying to finally accept the World Health Organization's offers, but they're still pending a lot of confirmation for China to confirm who can be on the team and whatnot. That's interesting. Valentina, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't discredit um, the World Health Organization's efforts because they have reached out to China, and China has just been given a cold shoulder, really, to any signs 
or uh, any help really that they've been offered they just haven't said anything specifically nobody knows why exactly but you know they've been tackling the problem as soon as they could the same situation has is being seen as with the SARS situation where they were suppressing it a little bit and not We've seen situations where doctors were silenced and they weren't able to tell the public about the outbreak when it first started. And it wasn't until like a month later that word got out to the whole world about this outbreak. And then, so we can't blame the World Health Organization for not trying to act. But now since I think it was February 9th, they finally had a team go mm-hmm. down to Beijing. Yeah, this Monday, yeah. They yeah. announced it, I'm thinking. Yep. And, you know, they've been trying to do as much as they could. And I know they're asking for contributions of, like, $675 million to prepare and create a response plan for the upcoming months for the most vulnerable states that mm. there are. Mm. Now that, you know, China may not want all the help that they've been offered, the who is just looking to help other people as well so i think that's very 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 smart of them to be cautious like this and already know that in other states they're not going to have the resources to fight this as much as other places like china they quarantined all of um, wuhan um, as soon as possible really and it was kind of impressive and i think the the WHO organization realized that, you know what, they seem to have it under lock. Even though it went past a little bit more than they, than the WHO would have done, they say, you know, at least they're doing something versus, mm-hmm. you know, not doing anything at all. And they said that they wouldn't go that far as to quarantine everybody just because it really is in- interfering with, like, just trade and world relations international relations and especially the trade i know china has been their economy has been slowing down recently because of this whole situation i recently heard that russia doesn't really want to uh oh no i'm sorry i think in saudi arabia they don't want to bring oil to china because of that whole outbreak and they're like please come to us and you know take the oil because uh we don't feel comfortable really delivering this So you would say that it's in China's best interest to, like, attack and quarantine this coronavirus as soon as possible. Because it is infecting, kind of, the livelihoods of the civilians, but also the operations of the government at a pretty major level, would you say? Yeah, and and it's impressive that they've done that much to quarantine and fight this and clean so much of the areas that were infected, and it's still spread. So imagine if they did not do that, mm-hmm. Ooh, how fast point. it would have gone well, out. Mm-hmm. It, it's an extraordinarily aggressive measure. Mm-hmm. Hubei province is home to 58 and a half million people. That's huge. Yeah. That's larger than the population of California. It's larger than the population of Texas. Wow. It is, it, it, it's massive too. It's 71,000 square miles. That's more than, that's like combining New York State and and Maine together. So it's an extraordinarily aggressive measure, and it's one that when Dr. Tedros, the director of the World Health Organization, visited China, he praised, repeatedly praised China for their aggressive efforts to stop this, which I find very strange, because they then issued a proclamation that they do not want countries restricting uh, their borders to China. 
which multiple countries, including the U.S., Pakistan, uh, Russia. It's about 14 countries, yeah. Yeah, it's multiple countries have done. That's a bit of a double standard. I, I'm thinking also that who would like to protect their relationship with China in order to eventually get on the ground, as they have done, if they were to say something somewhat aggressive or somewhat very critical to China, it could have backfired on them. And, you know, at least... And this is where diplomacy really does come in, where they have to make sure they're on, you know, um, what do you call that? Um, just good terms with everybody. And even if it's China, and even if China's getting pretty aggressive with their tactics to, to control this, at least, at least they're really trying. You know, because this is the whole world's health at risk. Because China does have, what is it? I think it's the biggest population, right? And it's like, could have spread insanely quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, like, China has been criticized in the U.S. greatly. Uh, in a tweet from Dr. from the later of the, um, the Chinese CDC, she said, the U.S. helping fight the coronavirus seriously and then she went on to say despite that the world health organization has only just specifically advised against any travel restrictions the u.s has decided to open it to act in an opposite way this is set a bad example um and they continued to blast specifically the u.s despite mm-hmm. the fact that we're not the only country that have done this yeah. uh, and they're using the world health organization to do so mm-hmm. um and they also well i did say before that they've been refusing help they're refusing government help, I should qualify. They're refusing help from the World Health Organization and specifically the CDC. Non-government businesses that operate in China, charities have been sending money. It's from the like um, Church Latter-day Saints, of course, sent charity. Uh, Samaritan's Purse, a faith-based charity in North Carolina, has been sending money. Bill and Melinda Gates have promised $100 million to fight this. And local, especially local authorities in China have been accepting this aid and support. But in their briefings, the Chinese government has listed like 22 countries that have offered charity and aid to China and have specifically left the United States off that list. I don't understand. It's a pretty aggressive posture uh, from China. I'm not surprised, really. I mean, given their long history and, I mean, recent history, too, with their trade wars, there are there is a lot of tension there. And I'm just not surprised they would accept help from everybody else. But, you know... We know that China is a very prideful country, and maybe that's why it's, it came so late, the mm-hmm. whole outbreak to be announced, because, you know, we can see that, you know, as prideful as they were, they didn't want this situation to happen again. And the fact that the CDC, a government organization from the U.S., that they have so much tension with right now specifically is, you know, giving them this hand, and they just feel maybe that they're looking down on them. So, I mean... Even though I wish they would take that help, just for the sake of getting this done with, I'm not surprised that they would refuse and be so hostile about it. So you would say that the Chinese government might be politicizing the crisis for their own gain? Oh, almost certainly they are. I don't think they have anything to gain from it, but I just think they just don't want it from the U.S., I don't think they just don't want it from the U.S. I think that they're, I think they have something to hide. 
I think that they're trying to, I mean, this has happened before. They're afraid of what foreign governments and IGOs like the World Health Organization could find when they finally gain access. They're afraid that they'll find something that they did to embarrass them, to embarrass the government, and that's the thing they're most afraid of. The American CDC has close ties to the Chinese CDC. That's why we call it the Chinese CDC. And in personal communication between American experts and Chinese experts, it's made, been made clear that China does need help, or at least their healthcare experts are saying they need help. They're not the ones who are holding up. It's the government here. It's the government that's saying no. Yeah, and then it's refusing either. to give access to the World Health Organization, refusing to give access to the CDC. Um, and it's interesting that you say that, Eric, because China has historically not had the best track record with disease control. I mean, we saw it almost 20 years ago with SARS. You're saying that now we're seeing it again. Is there a specific culture within the Chinese government that might be preventing the government from seeking help from outside sources? There's a culture of protecting the government at all costs. They do not want to see any criticism of the government, and this is why they have extremely versatile and adept surveillance systems. And this is why they have ways of censoring the internet on a scale that we can't see anywhere else. Um, they will protect at all costs uh, and they will remove any criticisms to the government. And we've seen that happen too. Uh, the doctor, Dr. Lee, he was a uh, whistleblower. He was trying to, to get out the news. He was posting that like this virus is a big deal in its early stages. And he was, you know, rounded up by the local police and told to keep quiet, basically. And where is Dr. Lee now? He's dead. Oh, <laughs> good to know. From the virus itself. He, he was killed by the virus. Really? So the Some very... people are calling him a martyr, yes. Wow, so the mm -hmm. very virus that he was trying to, like, stop ended up killing him. Mm -hmm. And he's not the only case of that, too. If you want a more, another individual case, there was a, a lawyer uh, in China. Uh, I don't remember his name, but he was trying to report upon government failings in Wuhan, from Wuhan. And he was, you know, talking about like the hospitals and failings, like the guy who was in the hotel room, things like that. And he's now missing. His family, his friends don't know where he is. So people have gone missing over, over reporting, trying to yeah. contain this virus. Over reporting on the virus in any way that is negative to the government, specifically, I should qualify. Yes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So would you say that the crisis surrounding the coronavirus is at near pandemic level. That's what some, I'm not a global health expert. That is of what course. some global We should probably health, clarify that. There was an article in the New York Times saying that they expect that this will become a pandemic. Um, and pandemic means it is something, an epidemic is like a disease that spreads widely. Uh, a pandemic is a disease that spreads globally. Mm -hmm. And that's really quite scary because we don't know you know, this isn't as deadly as, say, uh, the bubonic plague, for right. sure, or smallpox, for that matter. But, I mean, for example, the Spanish flu, right after World War I in 1919, killed millions and millions of people, killed, I believe, more people in the war itself, although you could argue it was a byproduct of the war. My great-grandfather died of that disease, and that had a death rate of around the same. I mean, it was a flu. It had a death rate of around the same uh, as the, uh, or maybe slightly higher than this virus. So if this virus does spread globally, then that could be devastating. 
to the world economy. And it already is devastating to the world economy just in China because China is such a huge uh, economic powerhouse. We're, we're already seeing growing, uh, slowing growth in the U.S. market, obviously in China, huge slowing of growth in China. And that's part of the reason I think they've been so critical of the U.S. is they're kind of looking for a scapegoat, as um, I would say like proto-authoritarian regimes tend to do, is they try to look for someone to, to shift the blame off of. And they're saying, oh, the U.S. and and Pakistan, they don't say Russia, mainly the U.S., um, because Russia's their ally, but, um, well, kind of their ally, but they're shifting the blame for the economic downturn uh, off onto the U.S. because the U.S. has closed its, its borders to China, or yeah, closes borders to Chinese nationals trying to come in. Right. Valentina, any final comments? I appreciate what who has done so far. Keep themselves in a middle ground, just on good terms with everybody. They're just trying to combat the disease, trying to help everybody, even those people who are not yet infected, like very underprivileged countries that cannot even afford to get any type of medication. They're already thinking about them. They're trying to lend a hand to anybody who needs it. And you know what? That's what diplomacy is about at the end of the day. Like no matter, you know, if you ask for help or not, we're here to help you. And you know, I hope China does take that help. And I hope this does end better than the SARS case. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys, for coming on the show this week. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Valentina. You guys have been great. Uh, This wraps up the show for this week. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram for updates on oncoming shows. The show could not be made possible without executive producer Bella Fisher, technical producer Brittany Segura, assistant technical producer Jason Marieski, interview producer Tian Fan, news editor Jarrett Dang, and special thanks to our sound engineer Emilio Soto. I'm Stephanie Miller. The Global Current is brought to you by the School of Diplomacy and International Relations at Seton Hall University. Be sure to tune in every Sunday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.5 FM WSOU. See you next week.